creation or evolution. Now, the first thing that we want to do is to set the basis on which we are going to deal with this subject. And the basis for our examination of this question is the teaching of the Bible itself. And when we look at the Bible, we will see as we go through its pages that the idea of creation is taught not only in the Genesis record in the first two chapters, but throughout the Bible, and not only just the Old Testament, but also it is taught by the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles in the New Testament. The doctrine of creation is therefore a fundamental doctrine that is taught throughout the scriptures. If we turn to the first chapter of the Bible in Genesis chapter one, what becomes quite apparent from even an initial look at the text of that chapter is the part that God plays in creation. If you look through the chapter, it's a series of verses which says that God did something. The whole of the chapter is uh, summarized in the first verse, which says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we have, going through the chapter, the individual actions that God completed, which comprise the uh, way in which the earth and the heavens and all things were created by God. For example, God said that there was light. God saw the light, light that it was good. God called the light day. And so we, there is an inescapable evidence provided by the first chapter that God was doing this in a very direct manner rather than through any other means. If we go to the second chapter of Genesis, we will see that there is a slight difference in the way in which God is described. In the first chapter, it is God who does all the things that we have referred to. In chapter two, and indeed in chapter three, the one that is doing them is described as the Lord God. So why has this change taken place? What's the difference between the two chapters? Well, without going into the background detail to this, the, what is changing is that in the second chapter, it is showing the personality of God behind the creation itself. The word God is not the name of God as such. That's the name, the Hebrew name Yahweh, which is shown in the authorized version as Lord. And so the second and third chapters is attributing all the actions to a God who was exercising a personal interest in his creation. Look at it in chapter two, out of the ground, the Lord God made spring to spring up every tree. It was the Lord God who commanded the man. It was the Lord God that it was not said that it was not good that the man should be alone. It was the Lord God who caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And it was the Lord God who uh, uh, took from the man uh, a part of the man and created a woman and brought her to the man. 
But do you notice also that in these actions, the Lord God is being shown as somebody who is exercising a loving hand in the creation process. The Lord God appreciates that it is not good that a man should be alone. It's the Lord God who affects the creation of woman through a deep sleep coming upon Adam. When we look at the second and third chapters, we see this theme. And in the third chapter, it continues, where there is a relationship developing between the Lord God and his created humans. It describes how that the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day to have a, a communication with Adam. And it was the Lord God who called to the man and said, where are you? After Adam's sin, and as part of a fundamental Bible teaching in relation to the forgiveness of sins, we see that it is the Lord God who made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Now, if all of this was done by evolution, this teaching, which teaches so clearly the personal interest that God has taken in his creation is uh, nullified and we even if we do believe in God himself we are left with a God who is almost remotely involved in creation rather than his personal hand being shown in it what a fantastic bible teaching that would be lost if we were to believe in the theory of evolution as we go through our Bibles, we can refer to very many passages of scripture where creation is referred to. And it is consistently referred to as creation. For example, Nehemiah in his prayer talks about how God had made the heavens and the earth and all that there that is, is on it. In the book of Job, it records about the hand of the Lord doing things. The psalmist states that by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. God, through the prophet Isaiah says, my hand laid the foundations of the earth. And uh, Malachi challenges the people of his day when he says, has not one God created us? So it's not just the first book of the Bible that speaks of creation. The, uh, the teaching of God creating the heavens and the earth is something that is consistently uh, taught throughout the whole of the Old Testament. All these books relate to, to different time periods in the history of God's relationship with his people. And yet over that whole time period, there is this consistent reference to God as the creator. When we come to the first century, we find exactly the same picture being painted. And the New Testament refers to God on the, as the creator on a number of occasions. Perhaps most significantly, there is no doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ believed in God as the creator. Because when he was uh, challenged by the people to uh, expand the teaching on divorce, he refers to the creation record. And he states there in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4, 
he asked the question of the people who came to challenge him on this point. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Peter, at the beginning of the proclamation of the gospel by the apostles after the, uh, the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, he refers to God before the, 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 the rulers of the day as being the one who made the heavens and the earth. And Barnabas and Paul going into uh, cities outside the land of Israel speak the same uh, things because they say to the people at Lystra about the living God who made the heaven and the earth. So when we come to the New Testament, we see that there is this consistent reference to God as the creator. Having seen all of this then, the Bible teaches from cover to cover that God created. It does not on one occasion refer to evolution or anything like it. It is probably true to say that the theory of evolution has become more popular because people feel that it is proved by science and that it is a, a modern theory. A lot uh, uh, attribute it or the beginning of it to Charles Darwin. But there was a form of evolution that was believed in the first century. There were a group of Greeks who had a common philosophical belief. They were followed the teaching of one Epicurus and they believed in the existence of gods. They did not believe in the existence of the God of Israel. But they believed that these gods did not create the universe. They believed that the world was created naturally without the need of a craftsman's role. And so the, their idea about how the worth came into being was not based upon scientific theory, but rather on their own philosophies and what they thought about the Greek gods of the day. Now, the Apostle Paul confronted these men in Athens. He went to Athens, which was the uh, most important uh, philosophical centre of the world, where ideas were debated exhaustively in its walls. And when the Apostle Paul was waiting for some other apostles at Athens, he debated with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And he then would have come into contact with them and discuss these things. So what did the Apostle Paul have to say? Well, the people that they, he disputed with, they also were uh, curious as to what he had to say concerning the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And so they brought him before the highest um, uh, philosophical body of the day to the Areopagus, and he stands before them and teaches them his beliefs. And what he had seen within that city, because there were many idols in the city, was an altar to the unknown God. So the Apostle Paul uses this as a starting point in order to be able to uh, preach to the Athenians, Epicureans included, the one who was the true God. 
And he describes him as the God who made the world and everything in it. And here's the Apostle Paul in the face of men who believed in a natural progression of things that caused uh, men to come and women and uh, uh, others to come into being. And he's talking to them about how these things really happened. He does not in any sense adapt his response to their beliefs, but challenges them head on when he states quite categorically that he is speaking of the God who made the world and everything in it. They may have uh, believed in a natural progression in much the way, same way that evolution uh, uh, brings out its theory. But if Manny did evolve, why didn't Paul preach evolution as part of his words to those in, in Athens? But what he does do, he does the opposite, because he says uh, to them that they are ignorant. And he talks to them about the times of this ignorance God winked at. And he not only uh, says that, but he goes on then to warn them of the judgment that is coming upon the earth. And then talks about the subject, which was the one which they wanted to know about, the resurrection from the dead. Needless to say, they, most of them did not believe and they rejected his teaching. But the point remains that the Apostle Paul, who had an opportunity to accommodate the views of people who believed in the form of evolution, chose not to and chose to diametrically oppose that teaching and state explicitly that God was the creator. If you think that uh, creation is unscientific, it may uh, interest you to see the number of famous scientists, those who have laid the foundations of current uh, scientific theory, who actually believed in creation. Household names like Newton, Faraday, Boyle, people that we've learnt about when perhaps doing uh, in school, in lessons in chemistry or physics. All of these men believed in creation. It is not true that all scientists believe in evolution. And there are many scientists today, men of great respect in the scientific view world, who believe in uh, creation rather than evolution. So why do men reject the clear Bible teaching of creation. Well, to many, it's an excuse to not believe the Bible because the Bible then produces a responsibility on them, which they would prefer to avoid. But the Bible foresaw that this would happen. And God, in speaking through Peter in the first century, talks about the days when there would be people who would mock. And they would mock and follow their own des desires. And amongst their mocking, they would deliberately ignore the fact of creation. Look at Second Peter 3 and verse 5. And they deliberately ignore the fact that long ago the heavens existed and the earth was formed by God's word. And the exhortation of Peter to each one of us is that we should have an acceptance of the fact of creation 
And this would uh, uh, help us to see that the day would come when things would be changed upon the earth with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should continue to think about what sort of people we should be. As he says in verse 11, think of the kind of holy and godly people you ought to be. And that brings us back to the second and third chapters of Genesis, where it was the Lord God showing his loving hand in creation that created the heavens and the earth. So creation or evolution? There is no doubt that the Bible teaches creation and nothing else. It's taught through the Bible. It was refuted by Paul in his preaching. Uh, and disbelief in it is prophesied in the Bible. As far as evolution is concerned, some have said that it, it requires a far greater degree of faith to believe in evolution rather than creation. Because so many of the facts are on the truth of the Bible and its accuracy as a record and a record which includes creation. Creation has been believed by men and is believed by many leading scientists. And it shows to us this wonderful teaching of the personal element of God in his work and gives us an example of how we should live our lives. Thank you for listening to this talk. If you would like some uh, more information, please do not hesitate to contact the uh, Mumbles Christadelphians. And if you would like a free DVD entitled The Darwin Delusion, then they would be delighted to send you a, a copy. Thank you very much.